As um, Sherry's getting ready to read the scripture to you, I want to um, remind you that we are in the second of a three-part series on living invitationally. Uh, Last Sunday we talked about the first invitation, which is the one that Christ gives to us. An invitation to receive him as our Lord, to follow his ways, to to start every day knowing that we enter into the day with Christ walking alongside of us. That's the invitation you and I receive and all people receive. The second invitation we'll be talking about today is illustrated in the passage that's about to be read to you. It is a passage that is a parable. It's a story of Jesus. He loved teaching in story, mostly because people like listening stories. Sometimes we'll try to find our way as to which character are we in the story. Most of the parables of Jesus, though, have one definitive lesson. Point to one truth they want you to have as a takeaway from, he- from hearing the story. I invite you to listen to that takeaway as Sherry reads to you now from the Gospel of Luke. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever money you spent. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God. you pray with me, please? As we seek Christ after this week, I'm inviting you to be our Lord, now to know how to live that out. We pray that you'll move through our hearts and minds, calming the anxiety within us, removing away whatever sins might be holding us back or holding us down, and allow ourselves to be completely surrendered to you in this moment words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts and minds, when they are aligned with you, shine. And when they are worthless, let us move beyond them and get to the place where you need us to be. We trust all to you and pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
Why him? Of all the people in the world, he's the one I despise the most. I deplore everything he stands for. And to even consider to let him become the hero of this moment is unthinkable to me. It's unacceptable. He's a Samaritan. That's what they thought when they first heard Jesus tell this story. We have made of this story the Good Samaritan known to you, I'm sure, before this morning as one of those very familiar stories of Jesus. We nod our head and say, well, of course, the guy who did right was the one who was doing what you should do. Of course we say that, but it's not how they heard it back then. It begins by having a priest come by, and, and we have lost our innocence. We find it very easy to believe that a priest or a pastor could be someone who's less than perfect, a fraud even, because of, well, you know why. In their day... To say a priest was coming by was instead to suggest that someone you knew who would do the right thing was coming. And yet, in this story, the priest just passes by a man in great need. We don't even know really what a Levite is, do we? You want to go and Google it right now so you have the answer. But whatever a Levite might be, you can tell by the story, we expect something good out of a Levite. We expect him to follow the letter of the law. He walks on by. They're already bothered because two groups of people who are reflected as their heroes have been seen as being less than in this story. And then all of a sudden, he now starts talking about a Samaritan. My God, a Samaritan. We hate Samaritans. We've been taught to hate Samaritans for generations, that original audience thought and said. Samaritans represent everything they despised and everything they never wanted to become. You can hear those listening to the story for the first time squirm uncomfortably, even look at each other and say, what? It wasn't that long ago in Luke, for example, that two of Jesus' followers asked Jesus to let God rain fire down and destroy an entire Samaritan village with the Samaritans in it. That's how much they hated Samaritans. So Jesus' choice to make him a hero of this story would not have been a Well, I didn't think about that moment. He was very intentional about wanting a Samaritan to be the hero of the story. Why? I think it's because Jesus wanted to challenge what religion often does. It says to us, basically, good people do good things and bad people do bad things. Usually, when religion says that, the good people are those who are well in the religion, who are sitting in the pews or standing in the pulpit or singing in the choirs. They're they're the good people. You know, so good people are going to do good things. You expect that out of the good people. You know what to expect out of the bad people. But in this story, Jesus makes the point that all of our preconceived ideas about that are flawed. Here, even a Samaritan might, in fact, be the hero of the story because Jesus knew that rarely are bad people all bad and good people all good. Samaritans love their children love their families, want to have food on the table and the next generation to be better than the one they came from. They were capable of good, even if they were despised by Jesus' own people. Jesus wanted us to learn from this story that every person, 
no matter what label you put on them, has the potential of doing good because every person receives the first invitation. Every person receives the invitation to know that God is with them, and then with that relationship in God and with we believe through Christ, we have the potential for doing things that we are not naturally going to do on our own. It will sometimes surprise even us, and certainly surprise those around us. Jesus wanted people to know that Samaritans, priests, Levites, you and me, might actually do good. Because we've all been invited into that first invitation. And once we've accepted the love of Christ in our life, we are invited to receive and do the second invitation. Go and do likewise. We're called to not only to act with compassion and mercy with the people that we like or are familiar with, but rather to seek people out by the way we live our lives so that we can walk with them no matter the circumstances or their background. Sometimes those others we will walk with are people in all kinds of need. Sometimes they really don't have any need, but by partnering with them and walking with them, we are changed, the community is changed, and new bridges are built. Sometimes it will simply be those who are lonely, or there will be others who are being bullied or despised, or in some other way just need someone to come alongside them and be there with them through whatever it is. Go and do likewise. Sometimes those we are asked to work alongside and come alongside are those that we actually honestly confessionally, in the name of Jesus hate. We do despise them. And we have just cause. Just listen to our, give me five minutes, I'll tell you why I hate that person. And Jesus did not come to say the differences don't matter because they do. The places we do not agree upon are not to be glossed over. But by putting putting a Samaritan as the hero of this story, I believe Jesus is telling us that the differences between us need not be those things that build bridges between, build walls between us, I'm sorry. And as we disagree and fight with different objectives, we can avoid dismissing those with whom we stand opposed as unworthy or less than ourselves. There is just too much of that in the world today. And this past week, our polarized society did little to find common ground. Those who celebrate the election and those who are afraid of the future both came into my office the following day. I heard people smile and I heard people weep. And to all of those and to all of you and to a much broader community in our nation, I encourage us to do this common one thing that we are all asked to do. Read this scripture again today and go and do likewise. In the name of Jesus Christ, you and I are being invited to be a very peculiar community in the world today. We are called to be a community that seeks out folks who are different than us, who are in need, who need someone to stand with them, and to intentionally put our life on the line with them and to build bridges. Our passion for what we believe will not allow us, in the name of Jesus Christ, to hate or belittle or seek the destruction of anyone. We will put ourselves alongside those who have no power or voice or hope or justice or basic necessity of life. We will stand with those who cannot stand for themselves, and anyone who has been left behind should see us coming as quickly as possible to their aid. 
1755, John Wesley gave the world the Methodist Covenant service. And in that service, he gave us this prayer. I want you to listen to it very carefully. I am no longer my own but yours, God. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praise for you or criticize for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. This is our prayer. It's our tradition. And it is our calling. To be ready to come alongside whoever Christ puts us alongside. And we may help them, or the fact is, they may help us. Oftentimes, both will happen at the same moment. But our lives are to live the second invitation, to always be ready, and to go and do likewise. No matter the circumstances, no matter the risk, no matter the public opinion pulls around us. I've learned this week, as I have been digesting the results of where our country is going and the divide that's happening within it, about this practice of some folks to take a safety pin and put it on their clothes. Have you heard about this? It's it's, it's just taking a safety pin. You know, it's an old safety pin. You put it it on your clothes to signify that you are someone who's trying to connect. You're not throwing people away. You want to stand along people who are afraid they're going to be dismissed in the years to come. I thought whoever came up with this idea comes from the Brexit uh, uh, vote from England, where it started, and now it's coming to our country. And I thought, how brilliant is that for someone to think, let's get something like a safety pin. You don't have to go search. I mean, you may have to search in your house for a safety pin, but you probably have someone, some somewhere. What an ingenious symbol. And then I thought about it more, and I became a little sad. I like the fact that folks care about representing, caring for people who are disenfranchised or who are powerless, who have no voice and who are afraid. I get that. What I'm disappointed in is us. Because apparently we have not lived our life in faith enough when they were thinking about what symbol can we use to find that. They didn't just go pick up a cross of Jesus Christ. It seems to me that's what we've been given for 2,000 years. To be those people in the world who are willing to stumble down a road or look down a pit and find our worst enemy and say, I'm going to go and be the one to help them in the name of the one who's taught me how to do it. Well, maybe it's time the church could re-up to being the church again. To be the ones in the community who stand not by what we say or the songs we sing, but by the actions of how we live with all in the community, whoever they are, whether they agree with us or not, to serve in the name and compassion and witness of Jesus Christ. I do not believe this is a political statement. I think it speaks to every political party and candidate. I think it speaks to every side of our nation and all those who are not within our nation. Go and do likewise. Because when Jesus said, go and do likewise, he wasn't saying, go be like the Samaritan alone. You get that, right? The Samaritan was portraying what Jesus did. And what, what cost did Jesus make to come and walk with people who needed him like you and me? What, what price did he pay? You are his followers. Go and do likewise. 
the willingness to put our own agenda aside long enough to care for a cause bigger than ourselves and for people who need us is an honorable and holy witness for all people. This past Friday was Veterans Day. And since then, we have had tributes and seen things on TV. And and my own father, who served in World War II, was really excited on Friday to go get his free pancakes at the restaurant near him. And that was fun. But we also have taken time to remember that there are those who could not get pancakes Friday. Remember those who have sacrificed ultimately their life, who have lived in such a way that their families had to make sacrifices so they could serve a cause greater than themselves. Today in our church, we take just a moment to thank all the veterans, no matter what your service was, whether you spent the entire time serving stateside in an office or whether you were on the front lines. You gave your time and your life for a cause greater than your own for people who could never repay the debt. So it's not enough. But if you'll give me the privilege, could I invite on your behalf the veterans who are in the room to stand where you are? And we thank you for your service. And as we honor you today, I suggest that what you did is a calling for us all. To surrender our lives to a cause that is greater than our own. To be willing to sacrifice more than one could ever imagine people would sacrifice for that cause and for others. It is our calling as Christian disciples. Go and do likewise. So yesterday, over 50 people went up to Flint and met with over 200 people in need of all kinds of things like sleeping bags and coats and hats and gloves and scarves and spent three or so hours with each other just telling each other's story and getting to know each other. We ran out of gifts. We ran out of boots. We ran out of sleeping bags. We did the best we could. So next week we'll celebrate more about that story. It's why we took all that water and all that money to Flint. Because when there is need, you respond. You go and do likewise in the name of Jesus Christ. It's why we have a food pantry. Because why would we not have a food pantry when there are hungry living within blocks of our own building? It's why we have take a sack Sunday and bring it back. Not only so that you can fill up the food pantry and feed hungry people in the area, but so that the children who are sitting on these steps can learn before the world twists them to think that it's all about getting what they want and what they need, that we understand at the base level we are children of God who care for the needs of others first. Our church does these things because we are called to go and do likewise. We also do them, though, as a sample for how we live our lives individually. Do you realize we're trying to train ourselves as well as train our kids? So we take a sack, and we go to Flint, and we send money, and we but the reality is, every day, you and I get to wake up in the morning, and last week I said you get to wake up in the morning and make a recommitment, a decision again in the morning, Lord, I want to follow you today. 
But now this week, I'm adding to that. After you've made that statement, because you have to make that statement first, the second statement is then, Lord, let me go do likewise. Put me today with thy will. Lead me to the places where I can walk with people who have need. Let me be with people so that I can let my own life be enriched as we share our stories and perspective. This week, every day, you and I get a chance to pray that prayer and say yes to the second invitation. Go and do likewise. We do so because, because of what Christ has done for us. There's a guy walking down the street one day and he falls into a deep hole, deep, with high sides, no way to get out of anything. He's down the bottom of this hole. And he looks up and he sees a physician pass by. He hollers, oh, can you help me? And the doctor writes a prescription and throws it down the hole. A little bit later, a pastor comes along and he says, hey, preacher, you've got to help me. I'm down this hole. I can't get out. And the preacher writes out a prayer and tosses it down the hole. After a little while, he looks up and he sees a buddy of his walk. Hey, Joe! Joe, I'm down here. Can you help me? Joe, I can't help Joe. And Joe jumps down into the hole. What are you doing, you idiot? What are you doing down here in the hole with me? It's okay. I've been here before and I know the way out. You go to people not because we're all that, but because we've been in the hole. We know what it is to have moments where we needed something bigger than ourselves and causes bigger than ourselves, and we found it in Christ. So we're here in the hole with you because we found the way out. Go and do likewise. To all those who despair in the world, we come because out of our own despair we have found hope and joy in Christ. To all who are afraid of what's going to happen in the next few years, we come and stand along with you, acknowledging maybe some of our fears, but acknowledging that through all the times of the world, God has been faithful and we will stand and be faithful at the end of the day. That is what we can do, what we must do. To all of you who are looking for a cause worth investing in, (laughs) come with us so we can go and do likewise. Those of you who are looking for a family, well, here we are, imperfect, making mistakes, stumbling on a few victories, willing to say I'm sorry to each other, mostly I love you, and I just want to walk with you. To all of you who are naked or hungry or lonely or sick or dying or have needs of any kind, we will be the church of Jesus Christ individually in our daily decisions and corporately as we say yes. And Christ asks us to go and do likewise. No election, economic rise or fall, or any other factor will ever keep us from accepting this second invitation. We will seek out others to befriend and walk with in the name of Christ. We will share our lives with others wherever Christ leads us. We will open our hearts and slow down the pace of our life to take time with people we would otherwise rush by. And there we will find our joy, our blessing, in the place where Christ has sent us to go. It is exactly what the Samaritan did. It is what Jesus is doing. And the name of the one who is right in the seat next to you now, even Christ our Lord, I implore you, 
go and do likewise.